Arab Americans make up a tiny fraction of America's 300-plus million people. But in three key swing states, Michigan, North Carolina, and Pennsylvania, they're a significant enough voting bloc that they could help determine the outcome of the November 3rd presidential election. You're listening to Beyond the Headlines. I'm your host, Willie Lowry, and this week we take you to the heart of Arab America to look at the issues important to this growing community and which way they'll vote. From the end of August to the end of September, my wife, journalist Sophie Tremblay, and I packed up our rental car and traveled across Arab America, traipsing from Dearborn, Michigan, to Raleigh, North Carolina, to Allentown, Pennsylvania, and New Haven, Connecticut. What we found surprised us. The first thing you should know about the Arab American population is they're not a uniform voting bloc. But in the last two decades, they've overwhelmingly voted for Democrats. They're also a group, especially Muslim Arabs, that say they've been vilified by President Trump and his supporters, stemming from campaign speeches like this. One of the greatest dangers facing Michigan is Biden's plan to flood your state with refugees from terrorist hotspots all around the world, including Syria, Somalia, and Yemen. You know that. You know about that, right? So when we pulled up to Dearborn, Michigan, a place nicknamed the capital of Arab America, we expected to meet a lot of Democrats. Just to give you a sense of the place, this is what we heard when we flicked on the car radio. Driving down certain streets, you feel like you could be in Beirut or Cairo. Every third sign is in Arabic, and it's estimated nearly half of the population in Dearborn is of Arab descent. Our first stop was Prince's, a bustling bakery selling Middle Eastern pastries, where we met the owner, a Lebanese-American named Ali Saad. Who are you going to be voting for this time? Baba Trump. (laughs) Mr. Trump. Myself, I do like the Republican. I don't like the Democrat. And... uh, the Republican always look out to defend this country and to help out the economy uh, nationwide. We continued down the street, and his words were almost like a refrain. People liked the president and thought he was doing a good job and were considering voting for him. We also met several people who said they didn't like the president, but they were so disappointed with their choices in the election, they probably were going to sit this one out. Here's pharmacist Nadia Haider. Truthfully, I voted all since I was a teenager, but this, I'm not going to vote, no. I'm not going to be involved in something later on that we may either one, no matter who wins with them, we're still going to lose. That's how I feel. And truthfully, like, I don't want to feel guilty that I was really involved. Look, when, when Trump ran and there was him and Hillary, I put Nadia Haider, I'm, I'm running for president. I think I was a better choice. Up and down the street, we found significant support for Trump. We also found a lot of people who weren't going to vote. But what we didn't find was a lot of support for Joe Biden. And I have to be honest, we spent some time second-guessing what we found. But then new polling came out from the Institute for Social Policy and Understanding that supported some of what we found. Here's researcher Iram Ikramula. So we did find that um, approval of President Trump 
did climb among Muslims of all backgrounds. And for Arab Muslims, it was 12% in 2019 and jumped to 21% in 2020. So overall, still a small percentage supporting the president, but a significant enough rise given that overall support in other communities has fallen or stayed the same. And here were some of the reasons for liking President Trump. Let's go back to Baker Ali Saad. He stand up for us and he helped us. He helped the American people, especially during the coronavirus. He did uh, help everybody. He helped the unemployment and he helped all the employers and all the big companies. He's trying to help the people inside the United States. At Democrats, they look for the welfare system. They want to help the welfare system and take him from the middle class and the rich people to let the people stay in the welfare. Ali is a Shia Muslim originally from the very south of Lebanon and displays a poster of Lebanon's Amal party and its leader, Nabi Beri, in his bakery. This is a party closely affiliated with Hezbollah, who is designated by the U.S. government as a foreign terrorist organization and has been subject of harsh sanctions by Trump's administration. And that's a type of contradiction we ran into often with Arab-American Trump supporters. A lot of Arab-Americans we met kept close ties to their homeland, and U.S. foreign policy in the Middle East was important to them. But it's not necessarily a deal-breaker when it comes to casting their ballot. We met Albert Abdouche in Allentown, Pennsylvania, who came to the U.S. when he was a teenager. He's now a successful real estate developer, and here's what he told us about why he supports Mr. Trump. Have you always voted Republican? Yes. Okay. No, not really. No, I, I voted Democrat. Okay. And I'm a Democrat right now. Okay, you're registered as a Democrat. A Democrat, yes. But yeah. you're, you're going to go Trump? Yes. Yeah. Did you go Trump last time? Yes. Okay. I told you I do not accept, you know, I don't agree with all his policies. Yeah. But I think he's the man right now we need. And he says Pennsylvania's large community of Arab Americans, many who are of Syrian descent, feel the same as he does. Most of them like Trump. Okay? Most of them. You can say 80%. They like Trump. The only problem with Trump's is they, uh, you know, because he bombed Syria, so people against that. And they, you know, he's a little bit tough with the, with the Golan Heights and he's a little bit tough with the, he, he gave Golan Heights to Israel, so that's why a little bit, they're not happy with that. But they agree that he's the only one could get the economy back in the way it was. Second, he's, he probably is the only one who will make a peace in the Middle East. He'll force, look what happened with the United Emirates. They made a peace. So he's the one could force either two sides to, to sit down at the table and make a peace. Even if he's not fair sometimes, but he'll make the peace. Albert's referring to the Abraham Accords, a U.S. brokered deal between the UAE and Israel, where Israel agreed to halt all annexation of Palestinian territories in exchange for establishing diplomatic ties with the UAE. Allentown is the kind of place you could imagine having once been almost grand and bustling. But those days are long gone. The city is hurting economically and has never really recovered from the closing of nearby Bethlehem Steel, once one of the largest manufacturing companies in the world 
and a beacon of American manufacturing superiority. Rodwan Jaruj is a Syrian-American who immigrated to Allentown in 1962. He's a Trump fanatic. He likes what the president has done for job creation and the economy, and he says Trump speaks to him. But we asked him, as a Syrian-American, how he felt about some of the Trump administration's policies, like the Muslim travel ban. That's the controversial executive order in 2017 that aimed to prevent immigrants from seven Muslim-majority countries, including Syria, from entering the U.S. Here's what Rodwan Jaruj said about that. I'm not in any way anti-immigration, never, because we're all immigrants. But there are people that are waiting, waiting forever to get in this country. They would love, they would give, they would give anything to come to this country. And they wait, and they wait, and we'll never get a chance. But then you walk across the border, and we're paying your freaking benefit, medical benefit. We're taking care of you. We're sending your kids to school. You're costing us. It's not fair. It's not fair for the real, true people that have the law. They're trying to do it lawful, and they can't. But yet, the border was wide open. We don't know who they are. We don't know who they are. Some of them are terrorists. I'm glad he's doing that with the border. And that's something that was echoed by many Arab Americans we met, that they worked really hard for their American dream. And there's a fear that the Democrats are going to give that all away. Another reason why there wasn't a lot of support for the Democratic Party and Joe Biden was that Joe Biden wasn't their top pick. Many Arab Americans, especially the younger generation, were fiercely behind Senator Bernie Sanders. We met a group of second-generation Lebanese Americans who live in Dearborn. Here's what Hussein Dabaja, who campaigned for Senator Sanders, had to say. And I feel like Democrats in general just aren't listening to what the greater portion of like the Democratic Party actually wants. You know, they're just, it's like the same old. What they did in 2016 is what they're doing again in 2020. And they say they're trying to fight for change and everything, but they're not. His group of friends are very into politics, so they're all going to vote for Joe Biden, even though begrudgingly. But it's not just a disinterest in Biden. Pervasive rumors and disinformation campaigns spread by groups like QAnon have taken root. Fadi Yashua is an Iraqi Chaldean, or Christian, who immigrated to Sterling Heights in Michigan three years ago. He's not even a citizen yet, and he's already so committed to Trump that he's created his own Arab Republicans Facebook group where he translates pro-Trump and anti-Biden news into Arabic. There's a war now in the United States between the left and the other side. So we can't accept uh, to convert the United States to the social country. So you, you see that group we have, and I have a page uh, me and my friend in California, we create a page named uh, uh, Repub- Arabic Republican in Arabic. So uh, that page, we support Trump by this, that page. We, th- we support the John James too. Every time we are with the news, we put the news, we put the news about the, about the campaign of Trump, what ha- what's happened, and uh, we are update every time uh, with everything happened with his campaign. And we have to show what the fault and what the something wrong or mistake uh, the Democratic do. Well, in Michigan, young Democrats felt resigned to vote for Biden. In North Carolina, there was a lot more enthusiasm 
both for the former vice president and for the election in general. So we're with Muslim Women For, which is a group here in North Carolina, in Raleigh area, and we're leaving um, some information about um, registering to vote and um, how to request your absentee ballot, both in English and Arabic. Um, and yeah, um, is it okay to leave some flyers here with you? That's Leila Ali, co-founder of the Muslim Woman Four group, spending her Friday handing out voter information posters in both Arabic and English to different halal supermarkets and mosques in Raleigh. A lot of her enthusiasm, as well as the communities, is born of trauma. North Carolina's Muslim population, which has an estimated 40,000 voters, have been the subject of a series of Islamophobic incidents, the most shocking and high-profile being the 2015 Chapel Hill shootings when a white man, Craig Hicks, walked into the home of a young Muslim couple and murdered them and a relative. The tragedy, as well as the increase in anti-Muslim rhetoric coming from the White House, has galvanized the community into action. Here's Layla again. I would say folks are really, really excited. Um, you know, folks are excited um, that this is a very important election year. I think it comes from different places. Like, it comes from a place of outrage. It comes from a place of anger, ready for change. I mean, the, four, the last four years has been a lot. I don't think people are, uh, they are not ready for another four years of what we just experienced. People are just tired. Um, and it comes from a place of excitement from what we're seeing in, on the streets, right? People wanting change, people who are demanding change, people who are saying, we're done. Going back to that survey by the Institute for Social Policy and Understanding, Researcher Iram Ikramula says that their polling also found a significant increase in overall civic engagement among Muslim Americans. So we find that among eligible to vote American Muslims as a whole, the community does lag behind other faith communities in terms specifically of voter registration. However, the good news is that when we look just at Muslims over time, we do see that voter registration has been on the rise over the past five years steadily. So from 60% in 2016 to 78% in 2020. And she adds that data is representative of specifically Arab Muslim Americans as well. But there's still a lot of work to get Arab Americans out to vote, especially for newer immigrants. Hello. Hi, is Yasmin available? Hi, Yasmin. How are you? My name is Alabas, and I'm calling for the Michigan Democratic Party, working to elect Joe Biden. Alabas Farhat is a 20-year-old field organizer for the Michigan Democratic Party. It's his job to get those people to the polls in Dearborn on November 3rd. We have cultural barriers where people believe that voting is a cultural taboo, right? They don't look forward to voting. They think voting isn't really something we're obligated to do. And then you have language barriers where someone might go to vote and if they get hit with a hurdle, you know, they won't feel comfortable continuing and would just leave. Those with limited English can be susceptible to intimidation by poll watchers, which is something that could come into play this year. In Michigan, some far-right groups have said they're going to be sending out people to observe the polls. Their presence could pressure some Arab voters out of casting their ballot. And in places like Dearborn, those votes really count. The 2016 election saw razor-thin margins. Trump won Michigan by less than 11,000 votes. 
there are 50 U.S. states, but the way that the Electoral College is set up, it really will come down to just a handful of them. We already know that places like New York and California will go Democrat, and Tennessee and Alabama will go Republican. So while it's true that overall Arab Americans only make up a small percentage of the electorate, estimated around 1%, in places like Michigan, Pennsylvania, and North Carolina, they occupy an important enough voting block. So shifting just a few thousand votes in these battleground states could be critical. It's a cliche, but these votes really do count. If Arab Americans flip from Democrat to Republican or simply sit this election out, that will be felt in Washington. You've been listening to Beyond the Headlines. We were produced this week by Aisha Khan and Arthur Edison. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave us a review on any of your favorite podcasting apps. And a special thanks to all those who spoke to and helped Sophie and I on our trip. You can read the full series and more election coverage on www.thenationalnews.com.